Welcome to The Power of Me, creating meaningful success for female leaders who already have achieved success, but still suffer from self-doubt, comparison, competition, and are looking to transform their mindset. Here's your host, Tracy Crossley. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Power of Me. This is all about becoming the leader that either you already think you are, but you don't feel like you are, and getting to that place of success where you feel a sense of meaning. And so today I have with me another wonderful leader. Her name is Jonna Burke. Hey, Jonna. Hey, Tracy. Let me tell you guys a little bit about her, and then we'll get started with uh, the conversation. All right. So Jonna has almost 30 years of experience in PR, communications, and marketing leading the PR and investor relations efforts at a Fortune 500 company, provided firsthand experience in the challenge and trials of PR practitioners. During her career, Jonna has managed regional business and national business lines, including responsibility for production, sales, HR, finance, and the overall client experience, which further developed her understanding of the P&L and the impact of communications. Her success and expertise gives her unique experience and perspective making her a tireless advocate of tying communication efforts to business results. Jonna is a member of the PR News Measurement Hall of Fame and AMEC fellow and serves on the IPR Measurement Commission. And currently, she's a global managing director for AMEC Measurement and Evaluation. Did I get it all? You did. You are so good. Thank you so much. It's um always sounds a little bit laborious to hear our <laughs> bio, but, but you know, also a good reminder of all of the time and energy and investment we make in our lives to a career to have it then summed up as an intro. So bittersweet. <laughs> I know. I know. I go through that too when I'm listening myself to my bio, but the truth is, I mean, people are listening and they're going to be curious. They're going to go, well, who are you? What have you accomplished? Sure. What are you doing? Right. Sure. So I always start off with a question, and this question is, to me, um, always interesting. Okay, so as a little girl, what did you want to do or be when you became an adult? So embarrassingly, I will answer this question honestly, and it was, I, I always thought I would be an attorney. Really? Truth. I know. Let the jokes commence. <laughs> um, but, you know... I always love debate. I always love learning. I always love those things. And I thought in my mind, I thought, oh yeah, that really makes sense. And then it didn't, you know, I think it was probably when I was about 15 that I thought, yeah, that doesn't seem great because then it becomes, it isn't debate, right? You have that different mm -hmm. perspective that it's arguing. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> my least favorite thing is arguing. So, you know, as you read more about it, it's like, presenting arguments like, well, my God, why would anybody make a career out of arguing? That's so terrible and it's so negative and things. And so I think then it just became a matter of, you know, how do you work with a lot of people? And, and I think it is really that go discover your strengths type of thing of having a passion for something, even as much as it's a strength to then figure out how to make the biggest impact. And it isn't always the most direct route for anyone. I think that's the the part. I mean, the things that I would tell my younger self, that's mm -hmm. a really long list. Um, 
But given the chance to change any one thing in my life, knowing that it would affect everything else, I wouldn't do it for anything. So I think that's that's what life is, right? It is this journey that we're on and all of those touch points that we have and those perspectives that change along the way that make us who we are and hopefully make us a really effective ambassador for all kinds of peace and all kinds of growth and learning everywhere. I love that. That is an awesome, awesome uh, statement because I think in getting to a place of peace, most of us like to say it, but then really do we live it, right? Where you say it, are your actions following that, right? So going back in time a little bit again, so then you were talking about strengths and discovering what your strengths were. So I'm curious, you know, when you were young, what became clear were some of your strengths and one of the best things that I think, you know, kind of describes an experience of being a female, were you ever called bossy or were you called shy? Like what, what was it that was given to you? So strengths and, you know, how did you come across as a kid? So I'm pretty sure I was all, I was never one to be afraid of speaking up yet, even though I still to this day do a lot of public speaking, it's something that I always feel nervous about mm-hmm. no matter what, no matter how well I know the topic, no matter if it's just, first. I mean, that never goes away. I don't think, I think because that's part of that stir of the passion right? You care Mm -hmm. about something. And so you want to do a good job. And there are so many variables and factors that are out of your control. And, you know, as a matter of fact, as I have a saying that I share with people, and that is, we're all doing our best. Sometimes our best just sucks, because I think we have all been (laughs) in a situation where no matter how prepared you are, how much work you've done to get to a moment, things just happen. The universe just has a totally different idea. Mm -hmm. And it's like, not today. And if we don't have grace and kindness for other people, when that situation strikes them, how can we possibly expect for people to have that same grace and kindness that we need in those moments? And so I think that's such an important lesson and something that especially in comms, you know, there's a, there's an entire industry of very tough type A's, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful, powerful engine to fuel things. But it's also a tough learning ground because if they don't have that same compassion as they have passion, Mm -hmm. then, you know, falling short or mistakes can feel devastating. And I just think there are real devastations in life that that isn't one. And the better reality check we have for those things, the the better and the more effective we're able to be in everything else that we do. So it's, um, it is, it is a journey. I think that, you know, there are always those elements of, oh yeah, this needs to be done. But truth be told, I'm an outgoing introvert. You know, as much as I am very happy to speak in front of 600 people, I'm also quite comfortable sitting on my patio, reading a book and enjoying my own company, just myself. (laughs) So I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Same thing. So it's balance. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. that's life. Life is balance. Life is balance in all things. Right. Well, and one of the things you said about grace and kindness. So I think it's very difficult for people to have grace and kindness for other people when they don't have it for themselves. Because if you don't have it for yourself, how do you know how to give it? And then I think it's very limited when you do. 
Absolutely. And I think that that is the most, I think that is the most difficult thing for some people to realize is that that starts within yourself and we can still be our toughest critic, right? We can still mm-hmm. oh yeah, beat ourselves up, but we also have to be realistic with everything else that's going on and understanding, you know, what's, you know, I mean, nowadays, if anything, people are like, oh, we just go from crisis to crisis. I'm like, yeah, you know, a lot of those crises are self-inflicted wounds. <laughs> so let's, right. yes, they are. Let's be careful, you know, because <laughs> when everything is a crisis, then nothing is a crisis. And so, you know, even in, in our personal lives, I mean, a crisis is someone is on their way or in the hospital. Right. You know, mm-hmm. someone's mm-hmm. locked out of the house. The gar- garage door doesn't work. Like, all of those things are inconveniences. Those are not crises. And right. so when when we kind of set those boundaries for understanding, that allows us to take everything else in that comes at us with, I think, a, a better navigation of what's really important. And, you know, while we can't do everything ever, mm-hmm. no single person can, once we have that gauge of, where and what a true crisis is that allows us to better navigate that. And it allows us to be smarter right? about how we put our energy into things because, you know, we talk about time is our greatest asset. Well, your energy is because time mm-hmm. is, is perpetual. Your energy is on this cyclical scale that you do have some input in of how you reserve it, how you expend it. And so our energy is our greatest asset, just as much as time is consistent. Time and deadlines are going to come and go. Your energy and your passion for things, that's what's on that ebb and flow that is going to mean the most to the people that you interact with. I think so. I think remaining curious is a big thing because if you lose curiosity, then you're bored, then you feel like you're listless and you don't really have, I think you lose direction when you're, you know, when you're in that place. Absolutely. It's, you know, (laughs) curiosity is such an amazing, an amazing trait that some people approach it as an academic, right? Nope. I need to learn this. I need to learn everything about this. And then we all know I need to know a little bit about everything so I can be interesting at a, at a cocktail party. And I think, again, with those variables, the, the balance lies somewhere in the middle, you know, mm-hmm. there needs to be expertise. There needs to be experience. You need to have a life story so that when you meet people that have had a similar experience, you can not lecture, but you can impart like, hey, here's what happened to me or here's what I've done. And if that can motivate or if that can encourage even just one person in a meaningful way, that's an impact of life that we mm-hmm. don't all get to really know and understand. And, you know, I think having a, a mentor and whether that's a person who's, you know, a mentor of 35 years ago or a mentor that you specifically work with during a, a phase of your life, mm-hmm. I think that is probably one of the most beautiful words that we have in the English language, because that means that someone who is giving and giving of themselves, of their time and of that energy and expertise and they do that openly 
And I think that's someone who people do point to of that they learn something from, that they gain that experience from. And that's probably one of the most important things that we can be in our professional careers is to be a mentor to someone no matter where they are in their career. And whether that's mentoring or reverse mentoring, right? As we all get older and we start to feel like we're getting passed by by some of those elements, have have some reverse mentoring with someone from another generation, with someone from another age bracket, another demographic, another geography to really continue to challenge yourself. But I think mentoring really is one of the the most powerful words that we have that Mm -hmm. is universal across so many languages as well. I agree. So going back to the question, when you were a kid, were you bossy? Were you shy? Were you in the middle? Because I know that you said you've always been outspoken, right? Bossy. I would probably, I would probably get bossy would be Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So I'm guessing also, okay, no, I was, I was labeled that and I'm like, I really wasn't bossy. I just knew what I wanted. And so then I had the ability to speak that and say, this is what I want. Not because I wanted to boss other people around. It's just, I had a vision and I wanted to fulfill that. Yeah. No, I I agree. I I do, but I do think there is that, you know, um, I know that this is all about, you know, women empowerment and being good women leaders. And I guess I take, I take issue with that only in the respect that men aren't called bossy. Exactly. Thank you. So, you know, why do, why do we accept that? I mean, and again, you can be the boss, you can be the jefe, you can be the whatever you need to, but bossy has a a negative connotation to it because it is generally only applied to women. Exactly. There's a lot of things like your outfit, were you wearing the right clothes? I mean, we can go down the list of things that are only applied to women, right? Like a male CEO walks in, are we going, oh, you know that suit he's wearing? I don't think so. Wrong color, dude. Oh, no, I absolutely do that now. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and that's, I just like to make a point with that because that labeling, you know, that's societal labeling, right? That's prescriptive bias. It's like, you're supposed to fit into this mold. And I think that, you know, as much as women keep breaking barriers, I think one of the issues is the little voice in your head that tells you, oh, you're being different or you're being difficult. You're being not what people want you to be. And yet you can't help it because you're you. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. And I think that there is always going to be labels and titles and, mm-hmm. you know, that's just, you know, everybody with blue eyes to the left, everybody with green eyes to the right. I mean, there's always some segmentation of society to try to artificially create that synergy where people may not be able to invest in the time to find it in other ways. And I think the more though that we empower that logic, then we not only don't break down barriers, but we are unwittingly building higher, stronger, more barriers around it. So that's why I give, you know, a little bit of a cringe to bossy. I own it because I think, you know, there are stories that I remember. And of course, stories that you're told that you're like, Hmm, are you sure that happened? I get, I'm like, yeah, I guess that does sound right. But there's all of those things. But I think that we have to be 
mindful of what our life experience is that does create our own bias, but also be open and objective to not perpetuate bias. And I think that is the part, you know, when we talk about breaking barriers, I don't know that anybody really breaks barriers. I think as individuals, we, you know, can carve out gates and people can get through the gate, but the barrier will still exist in some way because people are still talking about it. And so I think there is, we talk about curiosity and, you know, uh, you and I have had discussions where it's, it's okay to have a varying opinion about anything, even a polar opposite opinion about something, but you can never surrender to the discussion. And you can never surrender to the fact, well, if you think this, then you're this. No, because why would I put a label on something else that someone feels and believes? Because again, I haven't lived your whole life. I don't know what are those other factors that create that opinion or that perception, that bias. And without that life experience, I can't validate that. And I certainly can't, you know, minimize that. And so I think all we can do to effectively promote progress and change is to share. And sharing means hearing things that we may not agree with, but understanding that doesn't make them less true or less of an experience for someone else. Right. That's, that's where we get collective power from mm-hmm. those experiences because it is learning. It is a perspective that we maybe didn't have before that we can have now that makes us smarter about how other people might have experienced something and why they react in a way, right? Because so much of what we do is a lot of investment into action and energy. What we can't control is the reaction to that. The better we understand some of those reactions, that makes us smarter and more powerful and more diverse in our ability to then grow. I agree. I also I also take it a step further in that we need to know our own reactions and what triggers us. We need to understand ourselves because that's the only control you have is yourself and what you exude from there. And you cannot control the results. You can somewhat shape the journey, obviously, but you don't have final control. Just ask Blockbuster Video. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, old enough to get and appreciate that reference. (laughs) Well, you know, it's just one of those things where I I think we look so outside of ourselves without looking inside of ourselves to see what we're putting out there. And a lot of times when you have those insecurities, like these biases, and they're in your mind, in your mind about yourself, you don't realize how they're making you play small. You don't realize how it limits you as a leader, how it limits you as a human being, unless you start taking that stuff and you do something with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think that is the right next step. And I think that, you know, we talk a lot about language and the power of language and what that does. And and I would contend that there's two things I think that have, weakened us as a society, particularly in North America, in the US. I I deal with the Global Trade Association and I have learned a lot about (laughs) all of those things and about, you know, what our regional bias looks like. But I would say the two things that I think weaken us most here, especially in the US, would be 
using my in front of truth. Mm-hmm. This is my truth. I think there is the truth. There is your experience. And, and that can be explained because five people can see a car accident and I'll see something totally different. Right. Okay. I have to stop you for a second there. I use that all the time. What you just said, you line all these people up, witness an event and they all see it differently. That is so funny. You said that. I love that by the way, because it's so true. Right. So, so, but on a, on a report, we don't call this their truth. We call this their observations, their experience, their views. And so the truth is the truth, right? The truth is a collection of a lot of different things. But I think by allowing, by talking about my truth, that means on its face that someone else is lying. Because if yours is the truth, the opposite of that is a lie. That doesn't mean someone else is lying, you know, just like the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. But our mind sees polar opposites. And, and now in this society where we are more polarized, it's it's even worse. And I would say the other is talking about, you know, having safe spaces. As much as that is a beautiful thought, there is no such thing because as you've said earlier, the most unsafe space for us depending upon where we are in our lives, if we're going through grief, if we're going through loss, is being alone in our own mind. And there is no safety from that space. There is no such thing as a safe space, no matter how you insulate yourself from external factors and opinions and beliefs and actions and motions. And so by creating that false expectation that a safe space exists and that there is only your truth that exists, I think we limit people's ability and their confidence to share minimize them and right but but we limit but we but we absolutely do but that's because we've limited them we've put them in this Mm -hmm. corner and in this bubble wrap and then they can't breathe through that they can't share through that and when you can't breathe you suffocate and you die and so we we have to shine light we have to give oxygen to things not take it away in order to be able to live our fullest life. Right. I love what you just said. It is so true. And I feel like at times we live in a victim society and I'm not taking anything away from things that have happened in someone's life, you know, that have been tragic or traumatic. But what I am saying is it never empowers you and it never makes you live your best life. Whatever that is, whatever that definition is, never makes you the best leader when you fall back on victimization you know it's really about how do you empower yourself through circumstances that maybe you know you didn't ever expect were going to happen or you had no control of but you don't want to stay in that no control place and you don't need the world to make it up to you i feel like if we're going to lead especially as women we have to stop that whole victimization that we allow to creep in because we're thinking it's a form of power when it's not yeah, I mean, I think victim victim is absolutely the right word there. But I think we also shouldn't marginalize our experience. Mm-mm. But we need to figure out a way how to harness that and to help other people learn from that. And that's where I think, you know, we talk a lot about, I mean, there's more women leaders in the world than there ever were before. There's more women in the workplace than there ever were before. You know, yet at the same time, there are studies that in North America specifically, our EQ 
is dropping since 2017. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that there's correlation and causation there, but I am saying we need to be focused on the biggest picture. We need to be focused on those KPIs. We need to be focused on objectives that are outside of ourselves that bring people together. That's the power. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like there is sometimes so much focus on the individual woman as opposed to the human society that we are going backwards. And I don't know that that's a step backwards to take two steps forward. It feels like we're just going backwards. And I think we need to be mindful of that so that we can harness that energy and that power to bring everyone together. You know, um, I think I'm a, I'm a strong woman. I'm a, you know, that doesn't mean I don't have really crappy days. That doesn't mean that I don't have days where I'm like, eh, I'm not strong today. That just means that, you know, course average, good to go, you know? Um, and, And I think that there is something of being realistic with that, but also weighing in on things that, that are harder to weigh in on is where, I think people look forward to some women leaders. And I think that there's also this perception globally, definitely um, that by weighing in on things personally, that is a, that is a weakness. And I think that, you know, we can make that change or we can watch our EQ drop Mm -hmm. and wonder why we get to decide that. I love that. And I think that's true because it's empowering to make a decision. It is empowering to choose how you're going to act. And here's one of the other things I need to keep throwing the monkey wretches in, right? So, (laughs) well, because I I love that we're getting into this because it's so true. And I hope that women listening, you know, they're thinking, okay, how am I showing up? What am I doing? Am I part of the, you know, the societal voice? Because here's the thing. Women tend to compete with other women, but they don't do it in an outward manner. Usually it's inward. It's in how we look at women. We walk in a room, we compete, we compare. And that is an unfortunate part of being a woman. And this goes back, you know, historically, of course, you know, throw out the old hag, bring in the new one, you know, (laughs) but I mean, nowadays we still have this problem where there's just not enough to go around. So, Hey, you, you're the only chick here. What about me? I'm here too. Oh, what's going to happen? Are we going to come for the same job, the same thing? And I think there's still that aspect. It's not, I think as prevalent because people don't talk about it, but I know that it's there in an undercurrent. I think you're right. But I think the biggest thing that we can do is to choose to be better. You know, I, and I will, I will say that, and, and there's the, uh, the adverse of that is just because you're a woman, don't come to me and think I'm going to give you every opportunity because we have the same, you know, chromosomes. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, it, that's what I'm saying. It can be related, but it isn't. And so if we don't celebrate each other, and that means men and women, that means having our own palette of diversity that challenges us, that makes us smarter, that makes us better, that makes us think. If we don't celebrate that by giving some of ourselves in that, 
then we give all of that energy to a negative self-talk. And there, there are these pieces where, you know, one of the things that I, one of the many things for all of those listening that I love about my job now is, you know, I manage a trade association. And so I get to see these professionals who compete feverishly for some of the same business, for some of the same RFPs and programs. Yet those same individuals who compete vigorously over here, partner and collaborate and cheer each other on and celebrate and applaud over here. And that is beautiful. That is beautiful that those elements can all coexist and whether people are from the same region, the same country, the same, you know, speak the same first native language, there is that common ground that they find and they celebrate and they thrive. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to see people that, you know, saying, Hey, I heard you guys got this bid knowing full and well that, you know, person a spent four weeks, $60,000 you know, <laughs> trying to pitch this event to say, Hey, congratulations. You know, so happy for you. We'll get you next time type of thing. That's beautiful. Right. And that's what we need to be. And, and I think that you know, when you see someone who looks stunning and they look amazing, we should say that. We should not keep so much of our inside on the inside because bottling that all up is, oh, I shouldn't say that. Then that creates those barriers around you that allows that self-talk to kind of bounce back and forth in your own head. And, you know, I think it goes to another thing is that if you're in, if you are always in a room of violent agreement, you're probably in a dangerous room because that means you have, you have, you know, identified the bubble and you are in it. And that in itself is suffocating and will limit how you can grow. And if there's one thing that I would say, you know, my, my niece who I adore, she is, you know, I'm sure everybody, she has mm-hmm. the biggest part though, but she will go up to someone if she likes their earrings and she will say, Hey, I really like your earrings to a perfect stranger. Mm-hmm. And to see that. And, and when I get to see that, I see that person transform that person, you know, I mean, they might be in a ponytail and, you know, walking around in sweats, but they're, but to get that compliment from a stranger, it, it, it breathes something beautiful into them. And I think that, by us not sharing that with women and not celebrating the other women that we work with, the other people that we work with, then we're not hurting them because they're getting their, you know, whether it's their love language or they're getting that from someplace else because they're a successful person. But if we don't lower that barrier and share what we really think, we're we're only starving ourselves. We're not starving them. We're starving ourselves. And unless you're healthy, you can't, be healthy for someone else. There is a reason why on the airplanes, it says in the event of an emergency, put your mask on first and then those that you're traveling with. Because if you aren't, if you don't have oxygen, if you don't have the ability to breathe, then you can't think, you can't function. You don't have the same speed. You can't save someone else. And and I think that's really important to understand the difference between being selfish and being generous and being practical. Right. And, And I think that, 
that's what that spectrum looks like for a lot of people. And they feel like, oh, I've, I've got to choose this. No, you, you've got to, you've got to choose to be a good human. Yeah. I think that's hard for people because I think they may think it, but again, the actions don't match. And here's the little tidbit on that. People listening, you don't trust people whose words and actions don't match, right? Someone tells you they're going to do something and then they don't do it. Well, when you start listening to yourself and you go, hmm, I say this all the time, but I don't do it. That means you don't really trust yourself. That's where self-doubt comes in. And that's where a lack of confidence can build. And so it's really important to be able to match those as far as I'm concerned, because then you're going to feel better. Yeah. Celebrating the beauty and the success in others is one of the coolest things that we can do. You know, it's, it does, it, it releases those endorphins just like exercise and everything else. I mean, that just is an indicator. That's good for our overall health. Find those opportunities, seize those opportunities and and see if that doesn't change yourself and all of those around you. But here's the thing. A lot of women have trouble celebrating themselves. I read a study recently. Women still don't celebrate themselves. Like you, let's say you get a client or you achieve a level of revenue or whatever it happens to be, right? And there's still some self-doubt in there like, oh God, I got to do better or I got to keep this going. Or maybe it was a fluke. Like you have all this crap in your head, right? That's just going on. And it's just really interesting that women still have a hard time doing it for themselves. I I don't debate those findings. It makes me sad, Mm -hmm. but I say, find new friends, find new voices to fill that negative space and not even just to fill it, but you know, none of us are perfect. So there are ways where our intention and our desire isn't going to match our actions, whether it's from lack of planning, procrastination, all of those can be the same thing, or whether it's just that inability to connect those dots. So I think there's some disparity, but when you see somebody struggling, mm-hmm. if you have the skills and the ability to help, offer to help, no matter who that person is. If you see them continue to struggle, it's fair to raise that and say, you know, this seems to be a persistent problem. What are what are some other resources that we can bring in? Is it coaching? Is it time management? Like, because then, then right. you as a as a manager, as an entrepreneur, you can identify the root cause of something and then help them either build that skill set or figure out that they aren't a good fit. But I think that that can be empowering to both parties when you're able to invest the time and deconstruct that way. And so, you know, the more we talk to people and say, oh, you know, gosh, you're so good at all of these things. It doesn't seem like you're very good at this. Am I right? Have I misunderstood something? Or mm-hmm. is it, hey, this isn't this doesn't seem to be a skill that I think that you're very strong in. Is this something that you want to build? Is this something that you want some coaching on? Or is it like, hey, this is your lane, this is the other lane, right? And I think um, you know, the the best analogy is freeway driving. You know, when we're all driving at the same speed, great. You know, when somebody decides they're gonna slow down, that creates backlog. When someone decides they're gonna go fast and they're gonna be that creates that nervousness. And so There is a philosophy of knowing your lane, staying in your lane and only use the passing lane for passing, right? Passing. And so understanding that ecosystem is critical, that we aren't all great at everything. 
But when you align and when you surround yourself with people who have different strengths that you have that enhance the things that you do well and vice versa, that's a great leader. A great leader is is able to identify the strengths in other people and then bring those to bear and amplify that in a way that makes them better without even trying. I so agree. It took me years to learn that as a leader, by the way, that that's what you do is you keep you know, looking at their strengths and you build on them because mistakes are going to happen. Things are going to happen. And if you focus on that, you're really not helping anybody. Um, and so for you, you know, and this is, of course, a question directed at your own experience. You know, what, <laughs> what would you say has been your your greatest challenge in becoming a leader or, you know, finding your way to leadership? What was your biggest challenge, would you say? Well, I guess I would say pretending like leadership is a destination. Hmm. A, a, a leadership is a, a skill that I think I've acquired along the way. And just like any other muscle or skill, unless I practice it regularly, it atrophies fast. And so it is not something that I take for granted. And it's not something that I ever stop challenging myself on being better. Um, and that's not always the most effective or efficient route. <laughs> what is though, really, you know, seriously, right? But, yeah, but you know, it it is important that that isn't one of those things that is a destination that just because you have a certain title or a responsibility or something that you feel ticks that box, the minute that you take your eye off of that ball, then you will have earned some of the cliches and the negativity that go along with a, you know, someone who's, who's entitled to something as opposed to someone who lives it. And it's really part of them and it's, and it's authentic. And, you know, so many times people who talk about authenticity are the least authentic people. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. Raising 50 hands over here. Yes. (laughs) And so if you, if you want to be your best self, I think, you know, you talk about that curiosity, That means, you know, you can take a a reflective lens at yourself. It doesn't need to be critical. It just means to mean, you know, I I need to be balanced and and finding what that is for you and finding what that is for your team and finding that is what that is for your business and not being afraid, you know, Mm -hmm. conquering your own fear of saying, I need help. That's a big one. Because I know I had a hell of a time when I was younger asking for help. I think a lot of people do. I, I think men and women. Uh, but I, I definitely think that's the thing because we're afraid of being seen as weak or not smart or not knowing. But the truth is um, it takes you so much farther. Like I love when people ask me questions and I always tell everybody on my team, ask me questions. Always ask. Don't be afraid to. Nothing stupid. Nothing, you know, any kind of judgment in there that's not happening, you know. So um, before we go. I would love to know if there's anything as far as female leadership, your own experience, anything that you would like to leave the audience with. Yes, that's a very good final closing. I would say challenge yourself every day to leave someone, whether they're in your personal life, in your professional life, seeing themselves through the lens that you see them. Give give at least one person every day 
the chance to know how important they are to you, to a process, to a program, to an event, invest that time and be able to make a difference through that consistency. And it needs to be real. It isn't like, oh my gosh, I have to find somebody today. But, you know, there's someone in your life. There's, you know, and and it doesn't have to be huge. Sometimes it's the person at Target that like checks you out and doesn't make you go through self-check. Like, thank you for being here. I appreciate you. You know, but but Mm -hmm. be, be generous in spirit with everyone that you come into contact with. But make an effort to identify at least once a day, you know, at least once a week within your team, someone who's done something that really made a difference to you or to the organization and celebrate that with them quietly or in some way that would mean something to them. Um, but, but make that conscious effort. I love that. I think that's so true. Again, never really understood it because I was very independent in terms of how I operated when I was younger, but never really got that until I'd been through enough team members to go, hmm, why do I keep having turnover? Hmm. (laughs) Common denominator seems weird. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? But you know, you learn when you learn. And so Hopefully you guys are listening to some of the wisdom that Jonna shared with us today and that you can apply it to your own leadership. And if you are looking to become a leader someday, that you apply that to yourself as soon as possible, because really it takes a team. Absolutely. And I would say whether you're a leader of other people or you're just a leader of yourself, understand what that means to you and what fuels you to be your best possible self. And Tracy, thanks so much for taking the time today. What a, what a fun way to catch up in a great conversation and what a great means to be able to put this out so that it can help people, you know, at the right time in the right place in the right channel. So thank you so much for making this investment. Absolutely. Thank you, Jonna, for joining me. By the way, I've known Jonna for years and we hadn't caught up in what was it? 15 years? Ridiculous. Yeah, (laughs) I know. All right, you guys, you all take care. I'll see you next time on the power of me. Bye-bye. Thanks everyone. Thank you for listening to The Power of Me. For more information or to learn about Tracy's programs, please email business at tracycrossley.com. That's business at tracycrossley.com.